This is Daf Chet in Masechet Ta'anit. We'll begin on Daf Zayin Amud Bet, five lines from the bottom of the Amud, just towards the end of that line. Rabbi Ami said, What is the meaning of the Pasuk in Kohelet? If the iron has become dull, and he did not sharpen the edge. The rest of the Pasuk goes on to say that even though it's a dull iron, it's still a benefit. The uh, soldiers will still become stronger from using a dull weapon. It's better than none at all. But then it says, But the, the, the ultimate advantage and qualification that you have is wisdom. Wisdom is even better than weapons. That seems to be the pshat of the pasuk. But the Gemara is going to interpret it metaphorically in a variety of ways. So it says, If you see that the heavens have become dull like an iron, meaning that they're not providing, they're not providing any rain, it's because of the, uh, it's because of the actions of that generation that they are corrupt. It's a rhetorical question. Did it not uh, distort its face? Meaning, did, it not, did the people of that generation not distort uh, and corrupt their behavior? That's the reason. What, how can they fix it? So that's where he uses the uh, part of the Pasuk, that the uh, soldiers become strong. In the literal sense, it's talking about the soldiers become strong even from using a dull weapon. But he's saying, even though they're in a situation where things are bad, if they increase in their prayers, then they can still resolve the situation. But the best thing of all is wisdom. Meaning, certainly they would have been in a better position if from the beginning they had used wisdom and avoided the trouble uh, from the outset. So that's, how, that's the first interpretation of the Pasuk. If you see that a student is having difficulty with his learning, like iron, it's as tough as iron. Uh, and Rashi says, and again, we know that the Rashi in Ta'anit is not really the Rashi, but uh, we call him Rashi anyway. What's the reason why he's having so many difficulties and all kinds of questions? Because he didn't prepare his Mishnah. He doesn't have his material and his facts clear. He didn't sharpen the, uh, the edge. In other words, it's using the metaphor of the knife. Here it's saying that uh, uh, it's because he didn't, um, he, he didn't prepare the material. Now again, according to the way Rashi has it, um, it, here, he's, it's saying that, it, again, in a rhetorical way, did he not mess up panim, the thing that's supposed to come before, panim from the word lifanim, uh, before, is did he not mess up what, uh, what was supposed to come before? So what should he do if he's having all these difficulties because he didn't prepare in advance? He should sit down and learn and master the material. As it says that he can overcome this, the, the, uh, those who are uh, uh, mighty, those who are the soldiers can overcome this. Even they can succeed, even with the uh, even with the dull uh, in, in proper preparation, they can overcome it by uh, correcting that. But the best thing of all is wisdom. The, the best position to be in is if you had the advantage of wisdom, meaning if from the beginning you properly prepared before you went onto the advanced levels of learning. Like it says about Rish he would review all of the Mishnayot 40 times, which corresponds to the 40 days that the Torah was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. And only then would he go to learn with Rabbi Yochanan when he had reviewed his material 40 times. Uh, would review the entire Mishnayot 24 times, which is the number of books in Torah Nevim and Tuvim, before he would go and learn uh, in more advanced uh, material and go learn. 
uh, before we go to the Shul of Rava, where he would be learning things uh, on a very high level. So he was prepared that way. If you see that a student is having difficulty and it's like iron, it's like a dull iron, he can't make any breakthroughs, it's because his teacher doesn't like him, he doesn't give him a good face. Did he not ruin the face? In other words, it's saying that the teacher has a bad attitude towards him and because he doesn't have a good relation with the teacher, he's not learning. He should bring his, what, what, how does he fix it? He brings friends to influence the Rebbe to have a more positive attitude towards him. That's why it says, and soldiers will be strong. Meaning if he has more people on his side, this to this, other students, they influence the teacher to see him more positively and then he'll be able to have a better relationship and he'll learn better. But the best advantage is wisdom. The assumption here is not that the teacher just hated him for no reason, but that he displeased the teacher with his behavior. That's why the teacher had a negative attitude. If from the beginning he had a good relationship with the teacher because he behaved properly, so then he wouldn't have this problem to begin with. If the snake bites because he wasn't charmed, then there's no benefit for the bala lashon. In other words, if a person knows how to charm a snake and doesn't use it, the pshat of the pasuk is that if the snake is going to bite anyway uh, because there, it wasn't charmed, so what's the benefit of having the knowledge of being able to charm it? If you see a generation that the heavens are red or you know, like uh, like copper, Rashi says, they have meaning that there's no rain coming. There's no clouds, there's no rain. And therefore it's like a copper sky, bright sky, no rain. It's because there are not enough people that are lochashe lechishot. So you see in the pasuk, yishoch anachashet's thing, the snake means nechoshet, means the heavens are like nechoshet, are like, um, are, it's a hint to the idea of the heavens not giving rain. And it says, belolachash, belolachash means without prayer, because there's nobody praying, there's nobody in that generation praying. They should go to somebody who knows how to formulate the prayers properly. Like it says in the pasuk in Yov, his friend should speak over it. Meaning that he should have somebody go and intercede with Hashem and give the proper prayers. And there's no benefit to one who has the mastery of, of, of language. If a person has the ability to pray and he doesn't do it, what benefit does he do from withholding it? What happens if the person prays and he isn't answered? So then we say to that, should go to a greater tzaddik, somebody who is a... Uh, 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 who is a um, who, who is a pious person and ask that person to pray for him. As it says, he commands him with an intercessor, somebody to intercede on his behalf. Meaning encounter means prayer. Like Hashem says, and we saw this actually, this pasuk quoted previously, that you know, Hashem said to Yirmiyahu, do not tifga. Do not pray for them and val tifgabi. Do not approach me. Do not pray for these people and al tifgabi. Do not approach me. Meaning that the word tifga or pgia means encounter. So we're saying that if a person has the ability to pray and doesn't pray, there are not enough filot going up if we're having a drought. And if you have if you have the ability to pray and you don't do it, what do you gain from that? And if you pray and you're not answered, go to somebody greater and ask them to pray. Vim And if a person actually prays and they get an answer to their tfila, oh megis but then they become arrogant because their prayer was answered. So Allah. And he becomes arrogant. So maybe after all, he brings anger to the world. That the, uh, this pasuk in its original context doesn't mean this, but in the, uh, in the metaphor context, that it means to say, um, that it, he provokes 
af. Mikne af means to provoke anger al oleh. The person who raises himself up and thinks he's so great because his prayer was answered, he causes anger to come to the world. Amar Lakish Lakish says, Am I dichtif? I'm sorry, I skipped one. Rava Amar, Rava said, if there are two two Torah scholars that they live in one city and they don't get along with each other and interact and learn together in, uh, and benefit from each other in, 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 on halachic matters they provoke anger and they bring it up as it says they, they provoke anger the person who, is, uh, who, who goes too high in other words um, meaning that they think they're too great to interact with one another. Each one has a big ego and doesn't want to interact with the other and doesn't want to learn with the other one. So uh, it causes anger to come to the world. If the snake bites because it wasn't charmed, then there's no benefit to the person who knows how to charm. All of the animals in the future will come and gather around the snake and they'll say, We understand the lion, he kills his prey and eats it. And also a wolf does the same. He kills and he eats. But what benefit do you have in just biting people? You just uh, bite people and they die. What benefit is there to the person who's the balalashon, says the nachash. In other words, so too, with people who say lashon hara, they destroy other people, but they gain nothing from it. So he says, in this, so that's a, it's a musar. Basically, it's saying just like the snake um, destroys for really no reason, he doesn't benefit from it. So to the person who's a balalashon hara, Destroys for no reason. A person's prayer is not heard unless he puts his soul in his hand, meaning if he's truly sincere. Like it says, this is a pasuk that we read every year on Tisha B'Av and Echa. We lift our hearts in our hands to Hashem in heaven. In, in other words, you have to be truly sincere. Is that true? But then Shmuel put an Amorah. Up. And this means to say that in those days they didn't have a microphone when they would give shirim to hundreds or thousands of people. So he would put a, he would say it in a very low voice. He would say the shirim in a low voice and somebody would yell it louder throughout the crowd so everybody would hear what the teacher was saying. So he put an amorah, vidarash, and he taught the following. He, he taught the following pasuk. Uh, and this is a pasuk from, uh, from Tehilim. They um, enticed him with their mouths. And they, and they lied to him. With their tongues. In other words, the people were enticing Hashem, lying to Hashem. Their heart was not true with Him. And they were not faithful in their covenant with Hashem. And nevertheless, it nevertheless says that Hashem is in the next Pasuk, even though, or even though uh, they are not truthful and they're not genuine and they're not sincere, Hashem is still forgiving and kind to them. So you see that it's not necessarily true that you have to be 100% sincere in what you do for Hashem to answer you. Sometimes Hashem will answer even if not. There's a difference. When it comes to the community, Hashem has rachmanut and kindness to the community even when they are not sincere in their prayer. But when it's an individual, Hashem judges the person on their merits and if they're not sincere, their prayer won't be answered. said, the only reason why rain comes down to the earth is because of people who are faithful and honest. Truth will sprout up from the ground. And then uh, righteousness will be seen from the heavens. In other words, the heavens is a reference to rain. And righteousness on earth means the proper business dealings, ethical business dealings. When people are ethical on earth, they will see rain come from heaven. And Rabbi Ami also said, Look how, how great are those who are faithful and honest. 
minayin. How do we know? Mechulda vebor. From the case of the weasel in the pit. If that's true, if somebody who believes in the weasel in the pit, somebody who believes in Hashem, all the more so. So what is that talking about weasel in the pit? This is a uh, story that is referenced in a number of places in the Gemara, but is spelled out in Agadot. And in, both, in all cases, Rashi uh, will bring the explanation. Tosfot brings the explanation as well. Basically, there was a girl and a boy that they, ha- they made a pact Tosfot has a little bit of a different variation on the story that the, uh, that the boy uh, saved the girl from the pit. Uh, in Rashi's version, it doesn't mention that, but the point is that they basically made a, a, a promise to each other that they would never marry anybody else. And they said, but we have no witnesses to the promise. They said, no, the promise will be witnessed by this pit and this weasel that was walking by. They will be our witnesses. And then they separated, and of course, they forgot about this childhood promise. The man went and got married to a wife. He had two children. One child died falling into a pit. One child was bit by a weasel and died. And his wife said to him, why is, are such strange things happening to us? Why are we cursed like this that our kids are being killed in these strange ways? And he told her the story about how he had made this promise to this girl and had the weasel in the pit be the guarantors of the promise. And she said, then you should divorce me and marry that girl that you promised to marry. And that's how it happened. So you see that because, they, because honesty was so important, in other words, even though that what they put their trust in, so to speak, was a weasel in a pit, that, was, that showed you the power of one's word, how important it is to keep one's word. Certainly if somebody is basing their promise on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that they make him the, te- the, the witness between them and somebody else, and certainly there's a power to the word. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, Anybody who makes himself righteous on earth, they make the judgment on him righteous above. Truth comes up from the ground, and then righteousness is seen from the heavens. Now, according to the way that Rashi explains it, here, it's a more harsh meaning than what it would seem like. It sounds like, oh, it's very nice that the person's righteous on the, down on earth, then he gets a righteous judgment from heaven. But actually, the way Rashi ter- interprets it is the opposite of that, that because the person is righteous, therefore he's judged more strictly from heaven. Because he is good, therefore he will benefit more and he'll perfect himself more as a result of difficult things happening to him rather than the other way around. Rabbi Chia Baravin said in the Ravuna, we learned it from here. The Pasuk says, in accordance with your fear is your anger. So that's strange, because when we fear Hashem, really, He shouldn't be angry with us. So why does it say, in accordance with your fear is your anger? It means that when a person fears Hashem, Hashem actually makes it more challenging for them, because then they grow more, they perfect themselves more, and they're spared more suffering in Olam Abba, because they have dealt with the challenges in Olam Hazeh in this world. Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish, learned it from this Pasuk, Pagata Etzas, Tzedek, this is a pasuk from uh, Yeshayahu. It says, Pagata etzaz, vaoset tzedek, dachecha yizkerucha, hen ata katzavta venechta bahem, olam venevashah. A very difficult, ambiguous pasuk to interpret. This is how the, uh, the Rashi, Rashi here explains it to us what it means. He says that a person, that he says, Krahachiu, Pagata etzaz, vaoset tzedek. You, uh, you visit upon, you visit punishment upon a person who rejoices in doing what's right. And there are those who, those are the ones who do it. And when you make them suffer, they still praise you. Litovan say it's good. From when hen you got angry, right? That's the pasuk hen atakatzavta. Venecheta bahem. Mean what? Bishvil shechatanu bahem, right? Meaning that uh, that you you uh, got angry because of the sins that we've done. 
Olam v'nivashaya means bishvilam noshal olam haba. Because of this suffering that we have here, to fully correct for all of our sins, therefore we get the benefit of olam haba, saved in olam haba. Rabbi Shobhan Devi, Rabbi Shobhan Devi said, anybody who celebrates, who's happy when he suffers, Shabbat alav, from the suffering that comes on him, he brings redemption to the world. Bahem olam That through them, meaning through the suffering that comes, the world uh, is olam uh, v'nivashaya, meaning that uh, the world will be saved because he sh- because a person who takes difficult uh, uh, and su- uh, suffering and uh, instead of seeing it as a terrible tragedy, sees it as an opportunity for growth that actually uplifts the whole world. Amar Lakish Lakish said, "My dichti v'atzarat shemayim mishash shemayim netzarin melorid tomele ishav shem mechabel vino yoledet." That Reish um, Lakish said, what does the Pasuk mean? That Hashem will stop up the heavens and the rain won't come. It means that uh, it's comparing and saying that it's like the heavens are ready to give rain, but Hashem stops them. Like a woman who goes into labor but doesn't give birth. It says stopping with regards to rain. It also says the same language of stopping with a woman when it comes to pregnancy. And what do we say? So it says, It says with regard to a woman, the idea of stopping, like we saw, um, I'm sorry, we saw already with the rain, but now it's saying, it should be the rest of the Pasuk, that, uh, that's talking about Levet Avimelech, um, that uh, Hashem stopped up Ad Korachem Levet Avimelech, that all of the wombs in the house of Avimelech were stopped. But Kiatzor Atzar Hashem, Ba'ad Korachem Levet Avimelech, that uh, Hashem stopped all the wombs of the house of Avimelech, that's the stopping over there with a the woman, and it says about Bikshamim, Dechtiv Atzar Tashamayim, that the heavens will be stopped from uh, having rain. Nehemar Leda Bisha, it says giving birth by a woman, Venehemar Leda Bikshamim, and it says Leda. Birth by, by rain. That's a million times it says that, that a woman gives birth. That, that's, that's the Pasuk from Yeshayahu. It talks about how the rain comes. That the uh, rain will come and cause the, uh, cause the uh, earth to bring forth uh, vegetation. So it's like a birth. It uses the same language of birth. It says, um, visiting by a woman, and it says visiting by rain. Because it says Hashem visited Sarah, and then she became pregnant. It says the same thing by rain. Uh, and this is a pasuk again from uh, this pasuk is from Teilim. You visited or remembered the land, and you watered it. You greatly enriched it. It says the uh, the uh, well of Hashem or the uh, water source of Hashem is full of water, and so then it says, "What does it mean, my What does it mean that the reservoir, so to speak, of Hashem is full of water?" There's like a container in heaven from which the water comes forth. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani said, "My dichtiv," and this is again talking about rain. Im leshevet, whether it is for punishment. It says, if it's for uh, punishment, if it's for uh, the land, if it's for kindness, he will, he will make it happen. He will cause it to, to be. 
So what is it talking about? It's interpreting it as in terms of the, in terms of different cases of the rain coming down. In the shevet, if it's for punishment, then it will go to the uh, the mountains and the hills. Now that could either mean because it was going to come down really hard, so instead of so, uh, and then Hashem decides to be kind, so He moves it to the mountains and the hills. Some interpret it that way. Um, that's the way that. Uh, that uh, the Rashi here interprets it. So if Hashem had decreed a lot of rain for bad to punish, then he could cause it to fall on the uh, mountains and the hills so that it doesn't uh, harm people. But it's also possible to mean that uh, the punishment is that instead of fall, uh, rain falling in the right place, it falls in the, uh, in the mountains and the hills where it doesn't benefit. So that's big. Uh, what does it mean that for kindness? So that it means for the land. Which means that it's going to come for the uh, uh, for the fields and the uh, vineyards, and that would mean uh, that uh, you know it's providing sustenance. Now, im shevet, if it's for anger, le'ilanot, then it goes on the only on the trees, but it doesn't provide rain for the fields. And le'artso, im im if it's for the land, lizraim, that means for the seeds that make vegetables. Im and if it's for chesed, then that means that it fills even the cisterns and the caves and the places that water collects for drinking and for future use. So that's another interpretation that adds a dimension. It's not just about rain falling to uh, generate growth or not generate growth, but also for water, uh, to have a reservoir of water uh, is alluded to in the Pasuk as well. Now the Gemara goes on. There was a time during the time of Shmuel Bar Nachmani that there was both a plague going around as well as a famine. They said, hey, what should we do? Should we pray for both of them to be alleviated? Sure, we can't do that. Let's pray for the plague to end. We'll deal with the lack of food. No, he said the opposite. Because we should ask for the famine to be alleviated because the because if Hashem is already giving us sustenance and the famine ends, that means He wants us to live. Because it says Hashem opens His hand and satisfies the needs of all living things. So that would mean that if He's going to give us food, He's going to keep us alive. How did they know that they couldn't pray and have a fast and, and ask Hashem for, for, uh, uh, for uh, alleviation of both of the tzawot? How come it had to only be one of the problems that they asked for? Because it says in Sefer Ezra, we fasted and we asked Hashem for this, which means that there were other things they would have asked for, but they didn't ask for them because they can only ask for one thing at a time. In the West, meaning in Israel, they said, in the name of Rabbi Chagai, a different pasuk to substantiate that, which was the pasuk from Daniel, where it says, the, the, to, uh, to seek mercy from before the God of heaven, for this secret, meaning that Daniel wanted a secret to be revealed to him, which means that, which means he, he only prayed in this case for one secret, even though there were other secrets he wanted to know as well, only one thing at a time. In the times of Rabbi Zerah, there was a decree against the Jews' persecution, but they also made a decree that they weren't allowed to have any fasts. So they weren't able to have a fast to pray for the decree to be alleviated because that was also the decree. Let's accept upon ourselves a commitment to fast, even though we can't do it right now because it's against the law. And then when the gzera ends, when the, uh, when the decree is alleviated and canceled, then we'll be able to observe it. 
How do you know that just accepting a commitment to fast, even without doing it, will make a difference? He said, He said to me, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Because the angel said to Daniel, From the day that you set your heart to understand and to fast before Hashem, your words were heard. Meaning from the day you committed to fast, even before you actually fasted, that already counts as something in your zechut, in your favor. In your merit. Even during years like Eliyahu's years where there's a terrible drought. If rain comes on Friday, it's still a curse. Meaning even the times of great famine and great drought, rain on Friday is bad. That the day of rain is like the day, is, is, uh, you know, is like the day of judgment. In other words, it causes a lot of trouble and especially Friday when people need to go shopping and prepare for uh, Shabbat, it's a it's a, a particularly difficult when it rains on Fridays, um, and any time it rains really is difficult, as Rabbi Barshila says, because it's difficult for people to get done what they need to get done. He says, So he says it's like the day of judgment. It doesn't mean the day of divine judgment. It means like Mondays and Thursdays, where people would crowd into the cities because on Mondays and Thursdays. Those were the days that they had the courts open, and therefore everybody would gather in the cities on Mondays and Thursdays. It was very crowded. It was very noisy. It was very crazy. It was very chaotic, and it was difficult to get anything done. The same is true on a day of rain. It's very chaotic. And certainly on Friday, when you're trying to prepare for Shabbat, it's even worse. Now, if not for the fact that rain is necessary for us to live, we should have... Prayed for rain to stop existing because it's such a pain. When it's a sunny day on Shabbat, it's charity for the poor. Because it says that uh, the a son of tzedakah, son of uh, of charity, is going to shine upon those who fear my name. Because the people who are poor and homeless and are outside, they're subject to the difficult. Uh, uh, weather, so uh, it's much easier for them, more pleasant for them on a Shabbat where it is sunny and beautiful. So the Shomrei Shabbat to our poor benefit from that sun. The day of rain is great because even the money in your pocket, the pruta in your pocket, is blessed from it. Because it says to give rain in your land in the proper time and to bless all of the work of your hands. Now, what does that mean? I would suggest what that means is that your money gains more. Uh, a power from the, when the rain comes because when the rain comes that means the economy is going to be better and now the money that you have is able to buy more because now that there's more plentiful supply your pluta in your pocket is going to be able to buy more blessing is only found in things that are hidden from the eye it says Hashem will command with you the blessing in your storehouses but is from the word Samui it's saying from the hidden things blessing is only found in something that the eye cannot see again the same thing that Hashem is going to command with you the blessing in the hidden places really Basamecha means in your storehouses, but it's saying it from the word Samoy hidden. If a person comes in to measure their storehouse, they say, May it be your will, Hashem, our God, that you send blessing in the work of our hands. Once you've already started measuring, 
You say, blessed is Hashem, who sends blessing into this grain. Madad, if you already measured, and then you bless, that's already a worthless tefillah. Blessing is not found in something which is measured or weighed or counted, but something which is hidden from the eye. That's the only time that blessing is really found. And therefore, once you've already measured and counted and weighed, saying that kind of a tefillah becomes a meaningless tefillah. And I, I think that the uh, probably the reason is not because they thought magically because you didn't count or you didn't weigh. Then you said the prayer somehow magically changed into more than it really was. That doesn't make sense. But I think that the idea is that since a person, when they don't know what the amount is yet and they're praying and they're still <clears throat> appreciative of what they're going to find, they're genuinely praising Hashem and asking for his blessing. But once they already know what it is, then they're saying the blessing in a perfunctory way. They don't really have, they're not really excited to discover what Hashem has sent them, what Hashem has given them. They already know. And if anything, maybe they're going to be dissatisfied, uh, hoping for more, wishing for more. So doing it in advance shows an anticipation of discovering the wacha that Hashem has given us uh, before we've counted it, before we've measured it, we already appreciate it and we're already thankful for it. So Hashem will continue here in the next shiur.